0: Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi Mimi. How are you today? I'm doing beautifully. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm really excited to dive into your offerings and introducing you to the Hey Girl podcast listeners. So why don't we start there? Who are you and what do you do?
1: I am Taiwanese Canadian and I am a shamanic intuitive, meaning I operate on the intuitive psychic planes and I use core shamanism as well as Several other occultist-based practices to access the spirit, the divine, Mm -hmm. to bring back messages for us that we're all connected and that this life that we know it is much bigger, much more mysterious in the most magical way. I am really drawn to
0: your offerings and what you've built as a woman of color in this space specifically. And I would love to start with plant medicine and how you've been able to lean into using herbs and plants by way of meditation and self-care practices in your journey as a healer and a shamanic intuitive person.
1: Hmm. I would say for me, I mean, if we were to go way back, one of my earliest childhood memories was speaking with plants. So from you know, the plant medicine perspective, I've always known you know, since I was wee little that plants are individuals. They are persons. They're not objects that humans can consume mm. solely for their benefit. I always felt that they have personalities, they have intelligence. So that's one way that I related. The other way... I would say it was just really deeply ancestral. So, you know, in the home that I grew up, traditional Chinese medicine was just part of everyday conversation. We had a pantry, not a very large one, but, you know, I would say like half of the pantry, it wasn't canned goods, it was dried herbs. And so, you know, if I had a runny nose or my stomach wasn't feeling, you know, like it usually feels, my mom would just gather them. And she is not a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. It was just passed down. This is that connection. to the plants and understanding that plant is medicine and that there's nothing necessarily woo-woo about it and there's nothing necessarily sort of only in the hands of the person in the white lab coat. It was highly accessible. And so she would throw it into teas or she would throw it into broths and it was, you know, we would just eat them and it was very, very everyday and normal.
0: Something that really is interesting is how you mentioned plants being individuals and their offerings to us in their plant form and being able to kind of see growing up the different ways that they can be used. And I want to talk a little bit more about like outside of being a little girl and you feeling like you can talk to plants and really be up close and personal with them in your offerings as an educator and as a facilitator of healing in these different ways. How do you use plants with your students, with your courses, and getting people closer to themselves through experiencing tea and herbalism and those sorts of things as self care?
1: Mm. Wow. Yeah, you touched on everything that I absolutely love doing. Because plants are so complex, I usually start off with something that can function as just highly relatable first. And that's why tea and that's why specific herbs has just been a really great starting point. So I work a lot with dreams, for instance. And so for me, a nice way as a gateway plant, so to speak, would be working with mugwort. And so we would start off with this idea of like, how do you connect deeply with your dreams? How do you interpret them with accurate see. And then it's just a perfect opportunity for me to introduce mugwort as a medicine, mugwort mm. as a teacher. So a lot of times that's just how it starts. Same thing with tea. And, you know, my approach with tea is also very ancestral because of, you know, traditional Taiwanese and Chinese lineages. Like, I mean, tea is just part of the very fabric of our society, no matter where you live in the world. And it's part of the food. It's a way to connect. It's a way to, you know, continue to connect with your ancestors that, that have passed on, let's say, you know, at an altar. And so for me, it's always, been so deep shamanic and yeah so how I relate it with those who are wanting to learn with me typically I start from those very relatable places the places that they most likely also uh, have resonance or certainly a curiosity and then that from there, we can kind of go deeper. Mm. So, you mentioned the word shaman a
0: few times, and I know some folks may not be familiar. So, why don't we kind of dive into what is a shaman and what do they offer to the world, specifically around wellness and spirituality and connecting with the divine and our alignment in this world?
1: Mm. Okay, so a shaman is typically someone who belongs and still lives in traditional ancestral ways, and they enter into initiation that's passed down um, based on whatever protocols or agreed upon truths in that particular community. And so, and of course, they relate with the unseen or the, you know, the great mystery, capital M, great mystery through their craft. And that is not how I refer to myself. So I work in core shamanism, which is, you know, another way to describe it would be like universal shamanic principles, but I am not part of a specific ancestral traditional group. I am definitely a modern woman. You know, I live a modern life, but I relate with the world through, you know, animism. So really believing and understanding that plants and not only plants, but animals and rocks and the wind and, you know, the rain, all these aspects of earth mm-hmm. is in connection and they have intelligence and they have personhood and humans are not central to that story. We're part of the story. I really focus on that piece, the, the fact that humans are not central to the story because in my opinion, you know, what got us in trouble in the first place, like the reason why, you know, there's a global climate crisis, the fact that there's extreme poverty in the world, all these things are based off of Of the belief or the assumption that humans are central to existence and that for some reason gives us license to destroy ecosystems, gives us license to operate in a way that's really highly destructive. But if we can remove ourselves from that story and see that we are interdependent and we are just one piece or one part out of this bigger mosaic, this bigger weaving, then we would be able to approach the world with much more connection, with much more sustainability, and of course, much more respect. So that's really the core of what I do and that's why I describe myself as a shamanic intuitive because I do relate with the world through psychic psychic gifts but then also yeah really mindful that I am not a shaman in that traditional sense. Hmm.
0: So something you just brought up really struck me and I was on your Instagram the other day and you were just speaking about community and I want to read this caption that that you wrote and I would love for you to explore it a little deeper with us here. So Mm -hmm. you're pouring tea, it's a stunning photo, and it says there is a big difference between physical distancing and social distancing in parentheses, which I find is an inaccurate term. I've connected more with people via Zoom, FaceTime, and spontaneous phone calls lately than I ever Ever have, And it feels so nourishing and meaningful. Can you unfold that a little deeper for us? Why you find that social distancing during this time as a global pandemic is an inaccurate term and how you're finding closeness within your community, be it loved ones, be it clients, family, friends, everyone in between during this time of staying at home and COVID-19 and all of the things that are really at the center of our world right
1: now. Thanks for asking that question. Well, to me, socializing doesn't have to be face-to-face, right? And for me, yeah. socializing doesn't even have to be human-to-human. <laughs> like you're <laughs> kind of asking the person who talks to plant. So naturally, I understand the definition of physical distancing, but mm-hmm. for me, because we're home, or most of us, I mean, obviously, there's frontline professionals are doing huge, huge service to, you know, the collective. But For the rest of us, we are home, and it's a real blessing to be home. I really need to preface that. And, you know, the habits, the social encounters that we are used to uh, simply just are now needing to change. But it doesn't mean that love stops. It doesn't mean that conversation stops. It doesn't mean that joy stops. It doesn't mean that the ability to tune in and ask yourself what it is that you need right now to feel totally alive. None of those things stop. And I would say, if anything right now in the timeline of history, we have tools, we have technology, we, you know, we have ways to still be on each other's minds and be in actual conversation with each other. And so, you know, when I wrote that, A, of course, I'm always in connection with T, and then B, let's continue to be in connection with each other, even if we can't physically hug. But Mm. I will say, you know, being able to talk to a girlfriend, and like, there's something really special about a spontaneous call, something almost Old-fashioned, because even now you have to text someone or email someone to book a call. But when I grew up, like I, you know, I'm an '80s kid, it was not like that. Like you just called somebody, just call and someone, it, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if, if they're home, they pick it up. Mm. And and I, I think there's just something because we're living such structured lives right now, being in the confines of you know physical walls. There's something really playful and almost rebellious about spontaneity, and I love it.
0: Oh my goodness. I am really loving that. I love how you said love doesn't have to stop. Joy doesn't have to stop. That is truly, truly fantastic. And I think I'm resonating with that so deeply is because yes, we're home and yes, staying at home is protecting the greater good, ourselves and the greater good, our frontliners, etc. But I know that a lot of people are also struggling with being at home, specifically folks who may be at home by themselves. So mm-hmm. as we talk about community and those spontaneous phone calls and connecting and socializing in these new ways i think being able to lean into love doesn't have to stop joy doesn't have to stop and maybe introspection begins and new ways of doing things emerges is just a great way to look at things even when it feels really challenging and lonely and grief-stricken. So what would you say about that for folks who are home by themselves and really missing in-person connection and how they can lean deeper in into their meditation practice, their prayer practice, their ritual, and creating a routine for their um, well-being these days?
1: Yeah, I love how you talked about grief even. So let, let's just talk about that hypothetically. Mm-hmm. If one were feeling disconnected and lonely and you know they may be living physically by themselves or perhaps you know they have a couple other roommates or family members in the same household which can still feel lonely and disconnected at times I'm going to invite them to go into those difficult challenging feelings those grief feelings those Mm -hmm. feelings of of perhaps even confusion or anxiety based on uncertainty because it's through accessing those difficult emotions that really Really shows us what it is that we need right now. So I'll give you an example. In my home, there's myself, my partner, and our two boys. And our two boys are young, you know, they're school age. So I'm working. I've always worked from home. So that, that part doesn't feel different. What feels different is that everybody else is home now too. So I, I definitely miss solitude and being in that non-distracted state to be able to really deeply connect. And so, you know, simultaneously, I'm also homeschooling the boys. And of course, you know, just because, their home, they make more mess and they have more needs, like immediate needs. And so there's just like a little bit more hands on deck stuff happening. So for me, I've definitely struggled with some difficult emotions, not necessarily loneliness, but other aspects of grief, right? Like I'm grieving for a quiet time. Like I'm seriously grieving at some points for quiet Same. time. And, whoa, is it ever a huge need for me? Mm-hmm. So rather than trying to deny it or soothe it via, let's say, chocolate cake or whatever it is that, you know, helps us feel good. You know, I've come to a point where I've really just started allowing that calling, that feeling to invite me to have tea with that feeling. So I'll have tea with that Feeling of overwhelm, that feeling of too much noise, that feeling of deep, deep craving for solitude. Mm-hmm. And through that, I've been able to really learn a lot more about myself and been able to create some more boundaries. So it means that I go to bed early or even earlier than before, because it affords me some quiet moments early in the morning. I can get up really early. Mm-hmm. And it's just being and but I had to be okay with feeling uncomfortable comfortable about that and, and being able to really allow that conversation internally to happen. And the way I relate with my emotions, I treat them as if they are a teacher, like Mm. a real human or a real person once again. And I'll say, Hey girl, insert whatever that emotion is, or, you know, Hey, overwhelm. Mm. Why are you here? What do you have to teach me right now?
0: That curiosity aspect. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. And she'll say, well, I'm here because, you know, you're cranky and snapping at your kids because you actually need this. And what can we do to make this possible? So... You know, for me, it means I don't protect. I like planning, but I don't like structure. That's one sounds like a paradox. So I like loose plans that where I can sort of deviate if I need to. And I'm noticing it doesn't always work when you have to also homeschool the kids. Mm-hmm. So I've had to create some some structure around what the expectations are. And uh, you know, for instance, they can go on their you know media after we get sort of the basic school work done. And there's incentives and whatever, all that mm-hmm. stuff, all the parenting um, stuff. All the parenting stuff, yeah. Um, And I feel that it just, when that's there, I'm not needing to engage with teacher overwhelm anymore.
0: of all of that. It was really resonating with me when you were talking about greeting your feelings and really just like having this conversation with them. And I hope that the folks listening are truly taking note about how we can lean deeper into ourselves by greeting everything that comes to our door with some sort of curiosity. I spoke with a dear friend of mine on the show recently about greeting our grief at the door. And that was her Mm -hmm. term and how she looks at her grief instead of saying, get out of my way, get away from (laughs) my door. Mm. She's like, come in. I'm kind of busy with joy right now, but you can please come in and let's like (laughs) see what this looks like together. And I think that that's really magical. And it really resonates with what you said as well about sitting down and having tea with your feelings, checking in, those self check-ins, be it now and then moving forward are just monumental. I've been finding myself like needing to do that too. Like, okay, Alex, what do you need? How do you need it? What feels good? What doesn't? And why are be this way today. So, I'm resonating with you there very heavily. So, as we wrap up, of course, I would love to talk with you about your self-care practice now during this time. I mean, of course, when we first scheduled this, we weren't in the thick of what we are in now. So, as you are moving through your healing process, your mothering process, your in partnership process and being a businesswoman, what does your self-care practice look Look like today feel like today and sound like today
1: I think it starts for me with really asking myself what is today about Mm. Um, Because what worked for me yesterday, even if it was phenomenal, it may not be the medicine I need right now today. So I woke up this morning and I felt like, whoa, I need a move. So I know for me today, I'll be going into the garden and doing some raking and some spring gardening because that's what I need to do today. Yesterday, I actually just needed to binge watch some Stranger Things with my son. (laughs) Um, That's a good vibe. Right? Like it's just some days that's what you need, I feel. Being really honest is the most important aspect of a spiritual practice. It's not about crystals. It's mm-hmm. not about candles and incense. It's not about shamanically journeying. Like, really, it's about being just very accepting of who you are, where you are, right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes I do need all those things that I listed. But to say that my practice needs to look like that all the time, I think that would be—it wouldn't be serving me.
0: Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.